0: Welcome back to Masters of Modern, I am your host Alex Kessler here with my co-host Ben Bateman. We're back first time I think in 2020 Back it's together. the
1: future no we've been here in 2020 at least once but it is a remarkable occurrence when you and I are actually in the studio doing an episode of this show together I oh, know I miss Michael I...
0: <laughs> it's his he's show so, now. he's so knowledgeable he is,
1: he is the captain he, now yeah he
0: I am the captain now me last time I was on yeah. two weeks ago he was like this is my podcast now and then he slapped me with well, his backhand according to Twitter he just steamrolls everybody he's on the show with that was like one comment on one <laughs> video it's like the
1: most aggressive I like
0: I didn't I didn't hate the comment purely for the fact that I we've gotten multiple comments over the last four years of me interrupting you. In fact, I just did it during this conversation that we're happening at this moment. Yeah. So, me and Michael. You're very meta. Um, I'm, I'm here for the people.
1: It's the Masters of Modern Podcast, guys. We're back. The founder creator of the show, Alex Kessler, is back in his seat. And, uh, of course... Lowly old me on my side of the table uh, to talk to you guys about magic. This is the show where we talk about modern, we talk about magic, we talk about all things in the magic world. We're doing a little more pioneer content. We've been doing a lot of different fun yeah, stuff. Yeah, so
0: so so uh, you guys may have noticed we're we're like our plan is to kind of. We're like up in our content creation game. And one of those things is every about once a month, let's say one month or every six months, there's going to be a Masters of Pioneer uh, episode that we do. And sometimes the hot takes will be branded with the Masters of Pioneer. And so, something actually just in general that we're working to do, and eventually there'll be a new sign behind us. Did is you just
1: coin of, the term Masters of Pioneer? Because you just said that out loud. Yeah, coined it, coined <laughs> into the machine. 25 cents, get wow. one life. Wow. Uh,
0: we're kind of moving towards more of like the MM cast as the brand, and Masters of Modern is just a subset of the MM cast crew doing MM cast things. Uh, another thing that we've been doing a lot of, and, and this is more on your end, is uh, just doing uh, 10 minutes of magic is back.
1: Yeah, it's actually been really cool. So we started out with the short-form content doing hot takes. What happened is you guys have probably seen them going on the YouTube channel. They actually don't get posted to the audio feed, I don't think. What they are is a quick, like, five or ten-minute discussion that happens somewhere in the episode. And our producer, Marshall, will go and post that. And uh, it's like its own little idea. So something like... Energy should be in Modern, or you know, or should be in Pioneer, or something like, you know, um, you know, could Lightning Bolt be in Pioneer, or Days should be printed into Modern, something like that. And then I took that idea and was like, you know, the old show, uh, 10 Minutes of Magic, that I was doing on Anchor, I want to just start doing those straight to camera and putting them on the YouTube channel. So mm-hmm. I've been doing that. So it's you're finding me talk about a lot of my old favorite, you know, dumb combo cards. And Scythe, Car- Scythe Tiger. I did. Scythe Tiger was the opening episode. Still the most viewed one, by I the way. Wish-
0: Yesterday, so apparently last week you guys did a whole episode on like cards that are underplayed in modern, which is on that theme. And Mike showed me his list, and one of those cards was Wild Nacatl. Yeah, and then me and him got in a very heated argument yesterday because Wild Nacatl is a bad card.
1: I mean, I we talked about it at length. <laughs> He's not here. He can't disagree with me. He rapped you so hard talking about life from the Lone on the episode. I know nice. I was really excited about it. In <laughs> uh, that episode, interestingly enough, this is this, this is like a good cross section of. The kind of content we make that you guys, the fans and supporters of the show, actually like. We did like a set review of There Was Beyond Death and it tanked. Like, I'm talking like the worst performing episode on YouTube we had had in a while. Underplayed Cards in Modern with like Doubling Season on the thumbnail, like, lapped it like, three times the views. Yes. It's, it's hilarious. To, it's hilarious to know that, like, even all these years later, it's talking about stupid cards that we think are awesome that people really want to hear about. It seems like
0: it seems that way to me anyway. Uh, I'm making a list. So I, I I I I like may jump into your your uh, ten minutes of magic business. I might like do one or I two. I think that would be awesome. Uh and I have I have a, an idea of things uh doubling season doesn't need to be banned if planeswalkers were legalized as commanders.
1: So I noticed. Well that but you're...
0: now now that now that statement was said on camera and now all of the people in the comments can go below and agree that doubling season doesn't need to be banned if commanders are legalized
1: and that's a nice shout out to uh leave your thoughts below in the comments guys also hit that subscribe also hit like. button And you know actually one thing that i did hear about um a friend of mine who does a bunch of movie reviews and stuff and he's got like a lot of a lot of subscribers told me he looked at his channel the other day that he'd had for seven years and realized something like nine percent of the people that were subscribed had hit the notification bell Like a crazy, crazy, crazy low percentage of these loyal had never, they don't, and so when a video would go up, they don't get notified that the video goes up. And it's something that made me think about the fact that we've had this channel for two years now, or a little less than, and if you guys are already subscribed, or you're thinking about subscribing, hit that notification bell, because when we post a video, it'll pop up in your feed that there's something new for you to watch, and a lot of the time, otherwise, you're going to miss it. So uh, if you guys are interested in hearing about new stuff, hit the notification bell, click subscribe, and of course... Patreon.com slash the MMcast is one of the most important things in the whole world to do to support us. You can see these cool mics. We're able to compile money from the Patreon to buy these so our audio is better. We're able to hire a producer so that you guys can see the cards on the screen. We want to keep making updates like that. We just keep draining the account. So anything you guys can do to support is really, really awesome. And that's that's how we're going to keep growing the show.
0: The last piece of this weird State of the Union that we're doing since we're uh, the first time the two of us have been on in a while, uh, you can also uh, see me and Mike at Reno. So Uh, We're going to uh, Magic Fest Reno at the end of the month. Um, Their channel Fireball is throwing up videos of me, Michael, all over the place. Ben sadly can't make it because he's doing movie trivia-based things.
1: I'm defending my title in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. More on that later.
0: He's going to be in Atlanta. You can go see him there if you're not in Reno. And so, yeah, so come. Definitely say hi if you're at Reno. I think it's going to be, like, the weirdest. Honestly, I currently am of the belief that it's going to be the largest, like, dispersement Portionate ratio of like magic content creators and actual attendees of any magic GP because it doesn't seem like it's going to be a huge event, but
1: everyone seems to be going is the idea. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, it's like, it's real. It's kind of like mini Vegas, right? Cause it's at Reno is not that much more difficult to get to than Las Vegas is. Um, and like basically, especially for the West coast. Um, and so like all the content creators there that are on this coast are just kind of like going plus, uh, Olivia, it's from there and lives yeah. there. So she's like, everyone comes. We're she's all a cold in
1: court. Yeah, I'm really, really bummed out that I can't go to that one. But I will say that uh, the next weekend after Reno, Alex and I are going to be going to film something very, very cool. Can we even do you think we can announce our no, thing yet? We can't. We can. We're going to film something we're really excited about that you guys will get to hear about soon. Yep. One day. Um, and uh, we're, we're hyped about it. So follow um, both of us on TikTok. <laughs> I posted a review of Birds of Prey one time. Um, <laughs> I, I,
0: uh, I recently uh, duetted Mark Rosewater in his first TikTok. Yeah. I feel Magic's like- invading TikTok. It's time. Let's do it, guys.
1: Nothing makes me feel and older. Gals.
0: Nothing makes me feel older than using TikTok,
1: but I'm here. I'm here for it.
0: All right. So, uh, <laughs> the subject of today's <laughs> episode. <laughs> Is that the, uh, the the World Championship happened this last weekend?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, one of the things that I think is, is worth noting before we dive into that, just because I'm curious about it, and, and I, I'm curious to know what you guys who are watching think. So there's been all these organized play changes over the course of the last two years. Like they keep updating it. They keep announcing that it's, you know, because Magic's an eSport now, right, with Arena and everything. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. And Paulo Vitor Rosa won Magic the World Championship for 2020. So he is mm-hmm. the current world champion. Mm-hmm. And that's not that different. There's been a world champion every year dating back. You know, Chapin did it once. Uh, John Finkel did it a couple times. Kai Buddha did it a couple times. Yeah, for
0: the, for the most part, as far as world championships go... That's one of the few things that hasn't... It, there has been changes to it, but like those changes... The World Championship has changed a bunch of times, And but it also kind of always meant like it's a smaller size tournament, not nearly as many people are invited. It is only people that have met certain conditions to get invited get to go, and it's a much more intimate tournament against the best players in the world of that year. And um, now with the eSport focus, the prize pool of the World Championship has been greatly increased. It's monster. Um, it's huge. Paula, who won... Spoilers. Did we say that already? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Spoilers. Paulo uh, won it to like maybe cement himself as the greatest of all time uh, magic player. But uh, he is also uh, for sure the largest money making magic player. He's won more money. He's like 300,000 and that doesn't include appearance fees at GPs away from having like in winnings or tournament Mm -hmm. dollars for playing in tournaments, won almost a million dollars. He's likely to be the first to make a million dollars in tournament winnings uh, playing Magic the Gathering, which is really cool. Not to mention just winning every single version of a title you can have, I yeah. think, down the run. Um, plus, like I think something that's not as considered, he's actually a very important community member from a exactly. like, he basically, along with a few others, created South American magic like and or has been such a huge proponent for it that it's grown to a pretty large extent has been a big face of that that part of the world.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, so so again, we talked about these 10 minutes of magic series. The one yeah. yesterday is why Paulo Vítor Domingo is the greatest of all time. So something it's just my opinion. It's obviously not the no, it's de facto, stacks. but it's what I believe. It and I explain stacks. in the video a little bit that if you look at Paulo's career, it dates back very far. Paul has been playing his first pro tour appearance was 2003. That's the end of the Finkel run. They're only like really playing actively like major major players on the circuit for about 5 years mm-hmm. and they both kind of wrap up in 0304. He wins nationals in 2006, and then he wins his first pro tour in 2010. So he was very much like popularizing magic in Brazil as a major pro Mm -hmm. for the the better part of five or six years before he even won a pro tour. And so now it's been 10 years since that first one. He's stuck around. He's continued to play at a high level ever since. Multiple Grand Prix wins, another PT win. Well, and there's like, right. So there's three people for those who don't
0: know, John Finkel, Kai Bode, and now Paulo Vito Davide Rosa. And, And Kai Bode has this achievement that he won so many pro tours within. 18 month period I think it is that like is a statistic that is probably never going to be beat it's it's a little weird though it's kind of like how like basketball records were held in the 60s and they're like weird and ridiculous and just like sometimes they're just never going to be beat because the way the basketball rules and the people that play basketball and the way players think about basketball is so much different than it is now that it's like it's like also like why like there are sports teams that you don't count like before the two leagues were combined, right? Yeah, like the rules sure. were different, or the era was different, or who was playing was different, and so
1: it doesn't invalidate anything. It's just, it just it puts a it puts an interesting asterisk next to Kai, also next to John because they did play in this different time, and because John is similar to Kai, he's just a little more spread out.
0: Well, well John's slightly different as well to me because John's still just like top eight pro tours today, and 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 the way John does it is special compared to other players where he doesn't play magic. Yeah. <laughs> he has a hall of he, he's he's a, a hall of fame member so he gets invited to pro tour level events and he doesn't he like practices for the two weeks beforehand. He we, like joins a team cuz people add him to his team and he's that good and then just like after like two weeks of trying it out
1: he plays won, it a tournament he and like won a we'll just top pro 8. Tour yeah, he won. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like he, 2 years ago.
0: Like so he like he different than other best the other two best subs. Kind of like spikes tournaments regularly still <laughs> yeah. versus Paulo, which is like who's obviously very involved, goes to Grand Prix, goes to, to big events. And so, you know, and, and then Paulo is the third one. Right. And, and he's just had such a consistent performance over the last 10 years and has won so many different things in such a large way. Like the fact that he was already in contention for being the GOAT. A week ago, when he won the the PT, yeah, uh, like the, already, me and BDM were having arguments that he was in contention for the goat, and people were arguing against it. And then a week later he wins the world championship
1: and is now a world champion. Like that to me yeah, he, he's elevated. Right. I mean, there is a recency bias. And and again, if you compare this to sports, it'll happen in every sport, anything that's competitive, you're always gonna have the most recent dominant player, winner, team, what have you, get talked about in a different light than the people who won, you know, ten years earlier, just because the people that are talking about it now are paying attention to this person, not those people um, as much. But I think, you know, it is it is a conversation. Again, you can go watch the quick video. I, I run down some of the stats and give give my opinion there, but he won. He won uh, playing standard with a blue-white control deck, dating...
0: Before, I, I want to oh, like yeah. finish a little bit on this, because you brought up a point I did want to talk about. On, in sports, how different eras are compared. And in Magic, Magic is harder now, I would argue, than back in the day. Yes, yes, John Finkel and Kai were playing in situations where like not as much information was available, so they were kind of out there on their own. But because they were the best in the world at the time that they were playing in, they had so much more resources available to them than another player would normally have, yeah. and their opponents didn't have that, right? There's only like X amount of players that had the resources that Kai had or John Finkel had in two thousand, the year 2000. Versus now where there are hundreds of players that have that level of resources, right? There's at least X amount of different pro teams and X amount of players in each of those teams that have full data from coverage, have full funding behind them to be able to be the best possible players they can be. And so being the best in that field consistently, to me, is more impressive than being the best when you are also being the most supported.
1: I also just think the, the most significant statistic of all, and I said this yesterday, was Magic Online was created in 2002. It became a prominent piece of practice by the mid 2000s. John and Kai didn't play that. Mm-hmm. The- Paulo is playing against a field of people who just get to sit at home and grind Magic for 12 hours a day if they want to. You had to go to a local store or play with your friends back in the day. That's how they got good. You just have to play Paper Magic and Shuffle. You can't get that many games in if you have to go play with people. At a certain point, you just run out. At Magic Online, you can just play all day, all night, and that's the best players. They take their already innate skill set and they hone their craft Mm -hmm. with that tool. And now Arena, obviously.
0: Yeah, Yeah, like if you look at, but John and Kai had... The resources of getting enough, pe- like if because they're that level of pro play, they could surround themselves at that time with people that would play with them constantly and get them up to that level and be that good. I also think like they're both, all three of these people are just like next level smarter than like and
1: everyone else on the planet. Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's weird how when you and I play Magic, like I think we're pretty good. Like I think we're good Magic players. I think we're smart people. I think we played a long time. I think I am the I would I would maybe get state that I am the worst
0: good magic player. <laughs>
1: well, it's you and I'll play a bunch of games and we'll sit there and it's like ah, that was a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I can't believe I didn't do that. Oh, I forgot to attack. Oh, uh, like dumb stuff that you still we still do that like right. and I look at those guys like the, like them and I and I understand like people will point to like Finkel losing to Kibler in Hawaii and they'll say, you know, John's like I should have blocked. Like they'll point mm. to moments like that where right. yeah, okay, he loses a pro tour because he doesn't calculate exactly, but like Mistakes happen. Monumental mistakes like that where either he has to have three Galvanic Blasts in hand. That's the kind of stuff that, like, yeah, okay. But, like, that's going to happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. I just forgot to attack because I wasn't paying attention. Like, Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, that, like, right, right. right. <laughs> like, I still do stuff like that.
0: I, like, purposely, I think, play decks that don't involve attacking as much. Like, control decks or prison decks just in magic
1: overall. Because it covers up the fact that I probably like, forget to attack with stuff regularly. I, like, tap my lands wrong so I don't have the right colors yeah. available. I still make the same dumb mistakes. So my point is that the difference between somebody who plays a lot of Magic, has played for a long time, talks about it all the time, and understands it, and a player at their level is like, they're like genius level players. That's just who they are. They're all that way. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever had a friend who's like that that you play with, it just seems like they always have it. It seems like they always have it. Sure. You're waiting to see if they have the counterspell, they have it. Right, they have the removal spell. They have it. Are they going to win on their turn? Yes. Well, even like when Glenn was on the podcast, listening to him
0: talk about like he would plan, he would like plan his moves to manipulate his opponent so that they made the move that he wanted them to make four turns from now, and like getting to that level of magic play takes a lot of, you know, innate skill plus practice. So now onto the other major subjects of today's episode, which is uh, the world championship and world championship cards that could see play in modern. All right, Um, so let's look at some of these dope decks that uh, are standard decks, but we wanna look at them and see like, what cards from these that aren't currently seeing a lot of play in modern? This is a little bit of a continuation of the conversation from last week. Yeah, Like, are there any underplayed gems from standard that maybe should be being adopted in Pioneer or Modern.
1: Okay, so the first one I think to point out here just because it's the it's the finisher in the deck. I don't think the answer is yes, but the first thing I'll point to is Dream Trawler. It's made a big splash. Obviously, it's a very good standard card. It's the one of the definitive cards currently in standard. We've talked about it when it was printed. For those of you on audio, it's blue, blue, white, white, two, creature, Sphinx. It's a 3-5 flying lifelink. Whenever you draw a card, Dream Trawler gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Whenever it attacks, draw a card, discard a card, Dream Trawler gains Hexproof until end of turn. Tap it. I think the deck on it, the whole deck that we're
0: talking about right now, the like Enchantress blue-white control list, is something that... I can see seeing play yeah. in modern. This is one of the few cards. I think that there are just better threats in modern based on the planeswalkers that are available or just like Celestial Colonnade exists, right? Yeah. Which does a lot of what this card does and, and like versus the other cards that we'll talk about. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Cause again, like every, every standard set has like a control finisher, usually a couple of them that are in blue. Um, this is, clearly one that works for standard it's very good and and i mean dragon lord ojitai a few years ago is kind of a similar card in some ways there, there's often a blue white. and,
0: and dragon lord ojitai sees modern play right yep. like it, 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 it as a sideboard blue white control card it has seen pretty significant play is a, for instance, Dragon J- Ojitite o- to me, is m- more powerful than this. Modern is also a format where its control finishers are often two drops that grow into threats. So, like, a Stoneforge Mystic um, or, like, a Tarmogoyf and Jund. Yeah. Um, or, like, three mana, the four mana Planeswalkers, right? And so, like, this is a format where Jace, the Mind Sculptor, is legal. Teferi, all of them are legal. That I feel like I would play those over this Your as six drop, better, way better
1: Your six drop better be Primeval Titan because right, <laughs> if right, it's right. not, you're probably not winning with like
0: it. Yeah, I, I <laughs> cast this. They cast Primeval Titan, and I'm sad. Yeah. <laughs> But, so, yeah, like, the, the the other finisher, which was the uh, archon, archon of Sun's Grace. Archon of Sun's Grace was actually really impressive to me between yeah. these two. Well,
1: and this is a card. So, Archon of Sun's Grace, white, white, two for a 3-4 flying lifelink. Pegasus creatures you control have lifelink. It's an archon, and it has constellations. So, whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, create a 2-2 two, two white Pegasus creature token with flying. So, on its on the front side, the card is fine. It's a it's a good card enough. The thing that really to me pushes it over the edge is is actually this next card, and it's a card we've talked about a little bit already. Mm-hmm. But this feels like the breakout card. It's already seeing play in modern. This is going to be a defining card in Magic for the next few years, I think, and that's Omen of the Sea. So blue one enchantment flash when it enters the battlefield, scry two, then draw a card. Blue two sacrifice Omen of the Sea, scry two. Mm-hmm. So. How different from Preordain is Omen of the Sea? Is my first question.
0: Uh, I think you want to be getting value off of this. In a way that preordained and a lot of the decks is in gains value right like you you're playing it with something classically you could play with something like a a um phoenix or thing in the ice or a delve spells right like there are a lot of decks to take advantage of putting a spell in your graveyard if you're gonna play this card over that the word enchantment has to really matter now this does have the additional benefit of once it's in play you can sacrifice it to scraw to again later which is like Paulo won off the back of this in in his final game. Like, he had three of these in play and was just able to, like, make it so no matter what card he drew, it was going to be the best – or not his last game, the second to last game. Yeah. Um, The last game, there was a a mulligan error that he won due to mana color screw. But the the game that really mattered was the one before that. And and his ability just to make sure he never drew a bad card because on the front end, he'd play this – stack the top of his deck gain value with with uh, i'm never going to remember any of these cards names because they're all standard cards of Sun's grace gain a two two then then the next turn be able to keep his man on tap to hold counter magic up then sacrifices the scry two to make sure his next two draws are valuable like i think i think that is super beneficial and then added the fact that there is now enough enchantress benefits in the format in a control fashion that this card is really powerful i mean i think the the like, the the other card, back to Archon, like, there's a lot of just good white removal spells, like Chain to the Rocks, or there's the Snow one, right? The new one. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. it's It's on Thin, thin Ice. ice like, yes.
0: like, imagine playing that and then on Thin Ice and removing their be- biggest threat on turn five. Yeah. Like, how does <laughs> a lot of decks come back from that? Because you now have a 2-2 flyer, a 3-4 flyer. Yeah. And have removed their biggest threat for one white mana and like the snow mana in blue white control is like real really good to pull off and so like i think there's like a lot of really cool small things like legion's landing is in modern you can yeah. also gain benefit like all the one drop powerful white enchantments instead of playing the like the saga that makes a zero four wall then draws you a planes yeah, or even the like Elsbeth's uh yeah, conquers, conquer's death, death. Though I do think Elizabeth Conquer's Death in Pioneer and and the, the Saga, the Wall Saga, what's it called?
1: Yeah, the Wall saga is called the Birth of Melitus The Birth of
0: Meletus. Both of those cards are really interesting to me in Pioneer.
1: Well, I mean, the Birth of Meletus is an interesting one. so Because generally speaking, and I think you guys know this pretty well, if you're looking at Modern, you're trying to figure out how can I make something cool that's going to make a splash in Modern, pay attention to CMC first. That's the first thing to do. You mm-hmm. can get a pretty good sense of a card for Modern. If it costs two or less, it's worth considering. If it costs three or more, still worth considering, much less likely to be good. So the Birth of Meletus checks the first box which is that it costs two mana. Mm -hmm. So it's one white, one colorless. It's a a saga. You guys know how those work. Search your library for a basic planes card. Reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. That's the first mode. So you're going to play this. Immediately you're going to search your library. You're going to put a planes into your hand. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now the next turn, create a zero four colorless wall artifact creature token with defender. So you've got a a relevant creature type as being an artifact on the battlefield and something that keeps you alive. Then finally you sacrifice the next turn by gaining two life. Mm -hmm. The life gain is incidental. I, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. So like, the,
0: obviously the card that this is most comparable to is wall moments. You play this on turn, you run it out no matter what. It draws you a card. That card is a land, yep. but it's at the moment of the game where getting a land is not necessarily a negative. On turn two, if I'm getting a plane's great. I mean, obviously the late game effect is less powerful, but then, so it's in play, they get one attack in. So they get like a second goblin guide trigger that the like the two life is generally going to the gate. So this like, and then and then you have a zero four wall to block everything out of the mono red deck. Yeah. Right? And so this card in general, when I first saw it, was really interesting. I don't think I'd ever play this over Wall of Omens necessarily, but if I'm looking for eight, four more walls out of, say, like a butt deck that's out there. Yeah. Um, or, and once again. Like, I think something to pay attention to that hasn't really happened in Modern yet, and part of this is that it's still a little too quick for it, but Enchantress builds, or builds that take advantage of enchantments, this card cycles right into those. And being able to take advantage of this constellation effect is really strong still.
1: Yeah, I think this one, to me, this card is right on the right on the fringe of being good enough. Um, I think the other card in here that is seeing a lot of play, and I mean, OK, so one of the other things that's cool is Thirst for Meaning exists, right? So one blue, two colorless instant. Draw three cards, then discard two, unless you discard an enchantment card. Mm-hmm. We've seen Thirst for Knowledge. Yeah, so Thirst for Meaning is interesting. <laughs> like, It's obviously going to take advantage of this effect for enchantments for the first time. We've seen Thirst for Knowledge be fringe playable in modern at times. That's usually not good enough. There's enough things that are at a higher velocity for less mana to be good. But when you're playing enchantments, you have less options. So I think there's for meaning is a more interesting card.
0: Yeah, it's kind of the same reason like Beast Within is such more of an interesting card than the gift white one, right? Is that like white has ways to deal with all permanent types. Yeah. Green doesn't. Artifact decks have like infinite ways to gain value off of how many artifacts they have or having artifacts in their deck enchantress decks don't have as much especially in blue so mm. the fact that this is like yes. yes blue can draw cards better than other colors but it like the type of deck that would need to draw cards in enchantress like there's not as many this is really interesting to me
1: how about a deck that plays hatching plans on turn two and then end of turn turn three beast within or generous gifts your own hatching plans get a three three draw three and then also plays um renegade Rallyer to return your hatching plans throughout the game
0: that sounds like so much fun. You should explain what hatching plans okay, do so to okay. everyone who doesn't know what
1: that garbage <laughs> that you, card is. <laughs> hatching plans is an enchantment, I think, from Ravnica, or like no, no, it's from it's from the uh, uh, Guild Pact, I think. Okay. And it's uh, it's. Do you even know what it does? No, I honestly don't know.
0: <laughs> it's, it's I'm assuming th- that when it. It's an enchantment that when it
1: dies, you draw cards. It's one blue, one colorless. Okay. Enchantment. Okay. When Hatching Plans is placed in the graveyard from the battlefield, draw three cards. Okay. So it's always been a card that if there was a convenient or easy way to sacrifice enchantments, it's like a no-brainer. Sure. Um, With so much more synergy now, like, it's actually an interesting thought. It's probably a different deck, but I do love the idea of playing it on turn two, passing, and then end of turn, you just, like, beast within your own hatching plans, have a three-three end of turn, draw three cards. I mean, we've learned pretty...
0: Thoroughly, that being able to turn a threat that's relevant into a three-three yeah. is really good. Yeah, uh, <laughs> especially like hitting lands or what have you. So I, I don't think I think like taking a relook at the Beast Within style effects is not a mistake. There's even the like the blue exile a thing, put a two-two into play, or put a. a manifest oh, oh,
1: oh yeah 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 right
0: um which is an instant i like the fact that that's an instant speed kill any creature exile it out of blue and they just get like a bad tutu is like right. also some is a card that i would be looking at totally yeah i think i think i do i don't hate the idea of having an enchantress aristocrats deck yeah aristocrat enchantress i like like the name of that i mean what other cards would you play in that deck
1: in the one I'm talking about?
0: I guess you would play a lot of the cards we just talked about.
1: That's, well, that's why I was like seeing the, the synergies. I think the thing that's weird about that deck is like, you obviously only have four copies of Hatching Plans, which is usually the issue with these decks. But I think the idea with the deck would be that, you know, Beast Within Effects and things like that are going to just like generally be fine. They're okay to have in your hand anyway. You have to have something they can easily deal with. three threes. You don't want to get stuck behind Beast Within a bunch of your opponent's well, stuff.
0: Well, hear me out. You play you play Birth of Melodus.
1: Oh, 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 okay. Because so you can, so you get, can block you, their three you, three you
0: get the zero four yeah. to block their three three and then your additional beast withins, or what's the one drop blue things that kill make three threes? Uh pongifies. Pongifies, like any of those cards you can now block with your zero four, mm. or you can beast within the saga during the trigger effect of gaining two life. So you Fair. get you got a wall. Yeah. You got a three <laughs> three. You got a planes into your hand, and your opponent is sad. Or you destroy their planeswalker. Right. Have a 0-4 to block the three three. I'm loving that. I, I, I love what's going on with this also deck.
1: Also, the best thing about the the Ponjafy effect, and the, it's actually rapid hybridization's the other version. The thing I've always liked about that card so much is that uh, because it costs one, it's a really good reactive card. So like, let's say you've like you've done the thing, and you're beating down with like nine power, or six power, or something, and your opponents, like, you know, what do I do? And uh, you just, like, then end of turn, like, when they try to kill your guy, you just pondify your thing in response. So it, like, counters their spell and leaves you with an additional 3-3. Right. Right? So, like, that's a good use for those cards. This this is, like, a really funny deck idea now.
0: Yeah, I'm, like, really into it. <laughs> in fact, I would believe that this becomes our hot take, Marshall,
1: <laughs> for next week. But we, uh, play, but we need to play Renegade Rallyer because you have to get back hatching plans over and over again. Okay. Right?
0: That well, and like Renner Gray d- Rallyer gets back while the birth yeah, of it Seems like super dope. Bunch d- of life gain, good against burn. Yeah, right. Um, all right, so uh, that's... that's- Uh, during this uh, timely break, uh, please follow us on Twitter. We are at the MMCast. I am at Kess Wiley. He is at Ben Bateman Media. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael is at Duttard. Uh You can see all of those things linked. If you actually go to the Twitter, there's a big tweet pinned at the top. That's like all the things that you should follow and check out. Once again, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like. Everything in the show is brought to you by our patron, um, just by kicking butt, all of our Patreon members, we love you. We just posted, if you like the new theme music we've been using for the last two months, it was created by Matthew Kessler, my younger brother, who's going to NYU for music production and is way more talented uh, than me. At being cool, <laughs> he's, really cool. Uh, he's really cool. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram, but that music is uh posted on our Patreon, so all Patreon members over I think a dollar or two dollars have access to just the theme song. You can just listen to it, it's really good vibe. It's chilling, super vibe. You can hear it right now if Marshall plays it. If he doesn't play it, just restart the episode, watch it from the beginning, um, or listen to the end. And listen to it then.
1: Um one card that is a four of in both of the World Championship decks is Teferi Time Raveler. I don't think it really needs to be any explanation as to how good that that card actually in is it's
0: not very good. <laughs> um, it's caught it's a three mana planeswalker. One of that one of those been good.
1: Let's um let- let's talk about Fires of Invention because this is probably, this is is the the key card to Marcio's deck. Sure. Um, So it's one red, three colorless enchantment. You can cast spells only during your turn and you can cast no more than two spells each turn. You may may cast spells with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of lands you control without paying their mana cost. So there's a big Fires deck that has been prominent and standard for the last little while where you play a Fires and then you have all of these Cavaliers. There's like, you know, big creatures that you can play and expensive things that you're able to display and do cool stuff with. This counts as one of your two spells. The turn you play it, obviously. So you cast Fires, and if you have something that costs four or less, or you've accelerated that turn, you get another really good thing. And then you know, teferi can bounce it back to your hand, so you're able to cast things with mana as well. There are interactions there, but that's what the deck is based around is Fires of Invention.
0: Cards mm-hmm. really good. I mean, the fact that it gains you so much value on a mana perspective. Yeah. That and, and, and something that's really powerful of it, and like people who play standard should know this is the fact that you can cast this and then the same turn cast a second thing, often a planeswalker or another powerful threat, um, makes it really strong. And then you can play with all of these effects that let you use the mana you have in play. So um, the deck's playing Cavaliers, Uh, one important card that it's playing is the king, no, the king. Okay. Uh, Kenrith, so so Kenrith has just infinite activated abilities. So when you have fires in play, Kenrith access is like, oh, this is what I do with my mana. My mana is not useless. I'm taking advantage in other ways. So fire basically lets you play two cards for free and use your mana in play on activated abilities. So, and, and obviously, Standard has extremely powerful activated activated abilities that you can play up to and including the um, different guild mages. I know the blue white one is one that I've played in many of uh, eternal format where just being able to, like, stifle their lands every turn. Yeah, sure. um, Or uh, tap things down. But yeah, you're talking about the newer ones. No, I'm talking about the old one. You, but you can't play the old one
1: here. You're, talk, you're talking about in modern. Efficiency. I'm talking about in modern.
0: Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 they use Kenrith. I'm saying now in modern, I would use... Sure. Like, there are more efficient ones that have been printed there that are it would be equally as good in this tile deck.
1: Yeah, so I think there, uh, there are a couple things here that really stand out to me. The first and most obvious thing is a card that you and I had talked about for a while, expecting this card to see some play in modern. I still kind of think it will. Mm-hmm. I've had a feeling about this card forever. It never broke through, but that's Sphinx of Foresight. There's a four of in this deck. So it's blue, blue, two for a four, four, four. Flying Sphinx at the beginning of your upkeep, scry 1. However, you may reveal this card from your opening hand if you do scry 3 at the beginning of your first upkeep. So there's only 4 copies of Fires of Invention in your deck. You are, re- you are relying on the Sphinx of Foresight in your opening hand to help you dig deeper to try to get closer to your Fires of Invention early in the game.
0: Well, what's great about it is it's like unlike playing a Serum Visions-like effect with this card, you're able to use it as, like if you draw a late game, oh, it's just a, a free 4-4 flyer that you can pass with Fires versus any type of cantrip. With Fires, is like pretty much worse yeah. than normal because right. it kills one of the two cards you can play that turn. Like you're only getting to cast that one card. This lets you early game fire, fire, and then late game be just a good threat that you get cast for free.
1: Yeah, I mean, the deck is taking advantage of the fact that Sphinx of Foresight is effectively a free cantrip or card selection spell early so the turn you play fires on turn four you also get a four four which Mm -hmm. is great it's also taking advantage of the bone crusher giant effect which is awesome bone crusher giant of course being a a shock effectively um two damage to any target that can't be prevented for two mana but also a four three creature on the other half for three
0: so uh the 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 two damage to any creature something that is relevant that like i didn't even read the first time i read it the damage can't be prevented
1: clause on it is like definitely a modern becomes more and more relevant yeah so obviously uh, i think that this deck is made infinitely better about a, four copies of Teferi Time Raveler. It's just such a good thing that you're able to do on the third turn to set up your big turn. In fact,
0: like both of those are
1: modern legal and Pioneer. Legal. Yes, yes. I um, mean the Cavaliers. I don't expect the Cavaliers will ever see any play in modern. They're just worse than the Titans. Maybe like
0: the blue, like the blue one. Kind of is just like the blue prime. Like prim, uh, the blue Titan Titan is just not the best one. Yeah. And so maybe that's better. But then I would th- like the best. We talked about this at one point a few weeks ago on one of the hot takes was the best um, of the, the artifact titans. What are they called?
1: Oh, the Gearhawks.
0: The Gearhawks was the blue one. And I think that one... I think Bl- Torrential gearhawk is a better card than the blue Cavalier. So once you get to Modern or Pioneer, I think you start looking at those Well, cards. you're not
1: casting the Cavaliers here because they're a good rate for their value in terms of power level. You're casting them because in Standard, they cost five and are good. And once you have a Fires and play the next turn, you could like, Cavalier, Cavalier. They're non-legendary, so you can double down. That I mean they're not in there because you're hoping to cast a five drop. And in Modern, unless you're playing the Fires deck, but if you are, Modern has better threats than the Cavaliers. Right. There's better things you would play. I mean, this deck also plays a couple copies of Dream Trawler, which we already talked about a little bit. Well, and, and even when we, you guys, like the Fires of Intervention, like
0: every Super Friends deck that ever existed is going to be able to take advantage of Fires in a way. Like yep. being able to like untap and play Jace and Teferi Time Raveler is, like, very good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's nuts. Can we talk for a second about Aethergust? Because Marcio's playing two Aethergust in the main deck. Blue one instant. Choose target spell or permanent that's red or green. Its owner puts it on the top or bottom of their library. So... Aethergust is a really important card in Standard mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in Portland over uh, Christmas uh, playing the blue-red Flash deck, I was playing Aethergust. I had uh, t- one in the main deck, two in the sideboard. And it's pretty ballsy to play two Aethergust main deck at World Championships. I mean, it's, that's a that's a heck of a move.
0: Well, it's, it's a weird metagame conversation, right? Because World Championship is such a smaller... Like, there's less randos, right? Like, the, the because it's a smaller field of people, you have a much higher chance of... Getting a little bit of a better read on the metagame, and because the metagame is so heavily influenced by mono, like green and red cards, yeah, Aether Gust just had that advantage that it normally wouldn't have had. Um, Do you think, and, yeah. you think this card sees play in modern as a main deck card? No, not as a main deck card. I mean we can get to a point where like primeval titan decks are just the deck you should be playing or not like if we get to a point where like jund and primeval titan are the best two decks in the format which has happened before yeah there's an argument towards it if you're playing in a deck main deck i would want ways to get rid of it like a discard outlet of some variety or something like that um or be playing like jace the mind sculptor so you can shuffle it back into your deck um
1: sure I think the other issue, too, is that the best Planeswalkers are not green and red. And if they were, if there was really good five-mana and six-mana Planeswalkers, even four-mana Planeswalkers consistently that were red and green that people were playing, We'd be in a different world, except that, you know, Liliana's, Jace's, Teferi's, these are all blue, white, and black, and these Mm -hmm. tend to be, and and colorless, honestly, Karns. Those are the most common Planeswalkers. If there was a bunch of Planeswalkers running around, you could expect to see on turns four and five that for two mana, you'd be able to remand back to their hand just naturally. I think different story. They can hit spells too, right? I I think the bigger issue is that remand exists.
0: Yes, totally. (laughs) Is there a world where I play this over remand? No. Would I play this as my fifth remand out of a sideboard? Maybe, but then like there are like just like pound for pound more powerful counter magic spells that if i'm playing remand i'm gonna be able to get to turn three and then be able to start like playing archmage charm or cryptic command or you know like and even mana leak to me is still more powerful than this card especially right now where like the faster the format is the better mana leak is right and like primeval titan decks ramp decks being as powerful they are is maybe the one argument against them but Mm. yeah i don't know
1: okay Um, so we've now talked about the, the two main decks here at world championship. We have about five, six minutes left. Um, you wanted to talk about some of the cards from last week's episode that are underplayed in modern. And now that we've talked about these two decks, do you have one or two you'd like to talk about?
0: Underplayed cards in modern. Well, uh, Kess is not seeing enough play do you think you
1: could build a competitive deck with kes and i did i mean i don't know if it's competitive
0: but <laughs> <laughs> uh so i will say so something we didn't really talk about is about once a week i've been live streaming moto and or arena uh games both on our youtube channel and my twitch channel um so either if you're subscribed to youtube or uh definitely follow on twitch i'm at or slash kesco yeah uh the deck i was streaming this last week was uh it was using a Croxa. Or or okay. I'm never gonna say that guy. I Croxa, know, I Cro- think. yeah, the the red black uh, uh, legendary uh, yep. elder titan, um, the elder giant from uh, Theros Beyond Death, um, and I was using it and um, K commands and um, Lizov, the new one, the the two, two man Lizov yeah, that's yeah, and and just like using it to just and keep rebuying it and letting it die with unearths, yeah, and then having Lizov come in, being able to clone. It in its, the graveyard becoming yeah, the 6 6 right. version so it can attack on the next turn. And then um, using Lily of the Veils, you know, it, in many ways it played kind of like a weird burn 8 rack deck. Sure. Um, and then Kess on the top end was being like, was there just to be able to rebuy the lightning bolts to get damage over the top or rebuy the unearths or the claim fames. you that were I was playing using. claim fames and unearths. yeah, And four of each. Uh, I was playing, yes, though so I think in future versions of the deck, I'm cutting two claim fames to add to sexy pyromancer.
1: Oh, seasoned to pyromancer. Seasoned pyromancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> uh, so, so two claim fame's less. Cause, and then because I'm also playing four or three skeletal.
1: Okay, yeah, Lightning uh, Skeletal. Lightning
0: Skeletal. Oh, so like, there's a lot of just like
1: every card that they've printed that's like slightly better than Blightning. <laughs> I like wish that Lightning Skeletal cost two and was a four one that, that made them discard one card. That would be way sweeter because then I could get it back with Claim Fame. Yes, but I yeah, hate. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I hate that. Like it's it's the card that literally divides the Claim flame unearth line. Well, that's what the new, the new guy is. Yeah, which guy? guy oh, Croxa. Croxa. Li- yeah, Croxa that's fair. Literally
0: that. Instead Except of doing four trample damage, it just automatically does three. Three, and they discard a card, and you get is... a, and, and they discard a card, and you draw a card,
1: which is effectively exactly the same thing. Because if they were blocking with a one one, you'd be getting the same effect now, right?
0: Yeah, but he's also and you in the graveyard. And yeah, he's yeah. Reusable, you can re- so. you recast yeah, him or self mill him, and then and then like a lot of the times, what the deck did that was really powerful, and I need to, you know obviously it was me just like free ball brewing it. Yeah, uh, K commands eventually gets to the point where you just start casting K command during their draw step, pretty easily. Yeah,
1: right. And just locking them out of the game. <laughs> so here's the here's the dream version of the <laughs> lightning mental deck that I imagine. I'm imagining going uh, for Simeon spirit guide and like somehow finding a way to cast double cleave a turn early on my lightning skeletal Mental and double striking you. <laughs> uh, what about Embercleave? Yeah, uh, but it's more expensive. I need to be able to do this for one. Oh, uh, sure. And like just double strike you, and yeah. I like lose my entire hand, but you also discard your entire hand. Yeah, you're playing balance.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's really dope. Yeah, like there's like cool things to do with lightning skeletal Mental that I like wish. I, I, I definitely, like, i am going to keep messing with it. There's a red-white version of the deck yeah. where, like, that's cool Boros Charm. Yeah. Because you can use it to give du- double, double strike, strike to the Lightning Elemental, And because, like, late game, you can, like, literally just have Boros Charm and unearth and unearth Lightning Elemental, and Boros Charm on them, like, turn three or turn four. Yeah. And then, like, double strike and hit them. It's just by that point, they're, like, a little bit having
1: gotten to play their good cards. Well, also, uh, what's the... What's the um... The card from the recent core set that when it attacks it resurrects an elemental with the power. it's like
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. He's really, really good with good. Yeah. The Elemental he yeah, brings yeah, it yeah.
1: back, right? It's like it's like less than or equal to his power yes. or something. And thunder
0: can no that Thunder yeah, Thunder can awakener.
1: Yeah, right? Thunder can awakener, I think. <laughs> If that's the whoa, card name, whoa. I deserve
0: so much deserve praise $5. on the internet. Everyone <laughs> in the comments be like, yes, yes, cast or something. I don't know. Yes, cast. <laughs>
1: all right. Well, that was a sweet brew to end the show with. So, guys, thank you all so much for watching. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Masters of Modern podcast. We're excited to be here together doing this. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot of fun stuff coming this yeah. year, as we mentioned. We have some fun projects, some very cool collaborations that we're excited to tell you guys about down the line. Um and, uh, yeah, be sure to follow along with everything that we are doing. You can find us at the MM Cast on Twitter, as you talked about. We talked about all the Twitters already. Um, uh, follow me on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash
0: casco. You can get a uh, Baby Yoda drinking soup uh, if you become a subscriber or a Zuko saying hey.
1: Yeah. And if you guys happen to be in the Atlanta area, I mean, obviously go to Reno because that's magic. But if you've never seen this thing I talk about called the Movie Trivia Schmodown, it is the largest movie trivia competition in the world. It's got all the theatricality of the WWE meets movie trivia. And I am currently the champion of the world. There's, uh, I think, about 25 tickets left at a 350-seat theater in Atlanta. I'm defending my title against the Michael Jordan of the league, the greatest of all time. People are calling this one of the greatest matches that's ever going to be played. I'm very excited about it. If you've never seen the show and you're curious about it, it is an amazing experience to go on to the live events um, and I'll say hello. So get your tickets and come check out Atlanta if you guys have never seen it before. That's that. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you, I guess, probably we might take one week off. Or we might do some sort of fill-in episode because yeah, we're not Michael's here. Michael's doing an episode next week. Oh, yeah. Michael's doing an episode next week. My yeah, bad. This is his podcast. He's, <laughs> he is the captain now. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye.
0: Production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.